Hello, and welcome to Sherlock, from Adler to Amberley. An attempt to analyse all 56 of the Sherlock Holmes short stories by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. In order. Starting with the first story, A Scandal in Bohemia, featuring the celebrated adventuress Irene Adler, and finishing with the final story of the casebook of Sherlock Holmes, The Retired Cullerman, where Holmes and Watson accept the case from Mr Josiah Amberley. Hence, from Adler to Amberley. My name is Carl Kopak, and I'll be presenting this irregular series along with a special guest as we attempt to assess the value of each tale of the canon. Our guest this week to discuss the Greek interpreter is Madeleine Kinionis. Madeleine is a graphic designer during the working week and an obsessive Sherlockian during the weekend. She belongs to several internet Sherlockian societies, including the Legion of Zoom, but her home society, as it were, is the John H. Watson Society, which is great news for us on the show because we have Watson Watch. She contributes to the society's Watsonian weekly podcast and runs a YouTube podcast of her own. Dynamics of a Podcast, which focuses on the Napoleon of Crime himself, Professor James Moriarty. She also has a webcomic, currently on hiatus, called The Adventures of Professor Moriarty. You're likely to see her hanging around whichever Sherlockian societies are still holding Zooms, and some in-person events in the United States. A brief recap of the Greek interpreter. It's a quiet summer evening in 221B Baker Street and Holmes and Watson are talking about various things including golf clubs and the changes of the uh, the, the ecliptic, I think it is, to the obliquity of the ecliptic, which is a line I've always liked. And um, they get onto hereditary issues and Watson stuns, uh, is stunned by Holmes at this point when he announces that he's got a brother called Mycroft who's seven years older than him. Um, he's never mentioned him before ever. It's not too surprising because um, Mycroft Holmes um, only ever hangs about something called the Diogenes Club on Pall Mall. Um, they're very, very different men, um, Holmes tells Watson. He uh, has no energy whatsoever, but they, he has a great, great capacity for um, analysis and deduction, just as even more so than Sherlock himself. This is, he's obviously very intrigued by this, so he goes around um, to the Diogenes Club and introduces the men together. Um, there's then some horseplay around deductions to proving just how bright they are, which is incredibly enjoyable, and I really like it. Um, Mycroft then introduces a, uh, a, a Greek gentleman called Mr. Melas, who works as an interpreter around the hotels and uh, you know around the train stations of Victoria and the like. I think that's I think that's hinted at anyway. Um, Melas tells him that one day he was called upon by uh, a man called Harold Latimer. Um, and was asked to go to a house because they've got into some difficulty with a Greek gen- gentleman who they were doing business with. Um, they get into the coach and um, there's Latimer and there's a man who's very, very sort of giggly who's with them as well and uh, uh, who and Melis just doesn't like either of them and he gets even, he, he dislikes them even more when they pull down the blinds and tell him that there's absolutely no way that he should know where he's going. There's a little bit of the, uh, the engineer's thumb in this, in fact, um, from a previous story. Um, obviously Malice protests about this and he's trying to work out exactly where he is um, and he's basically just shoved into a house uh, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, the, the drive takes about two hours um, but when he gets there 
he tries to notice a few things. He, he notices, like, you know, the, the, there's, a, uh, there's a Japanese suit of Japanese armour somewhere. Uh, and anyway, they shove him into a room, uh, and he's shocked to find that there's a man there who's really, really thin and uh, has got, like, sort of plasters all over his face and bandages. He's clearly been abused in some way. Um, and they explain to him that this is the man they're having difficulty with. So obviously it's a kidnapping situation, uh, but he can't speak uh, English and they can't speak Greek. So they try and find out what's going on. And obviously there's a lot of sort of, you know, you must give in to this. No, I will never give in. So, you know, but Melas has a, 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 I really like the term, a happy idea of including some of his own sentences, but sentences at the end, which of course in Greek the others can't understand. So he says things like, you know, how, what's happening? And so they're starving me. Um, and uh, and at the end of it, uh, he's just about to sort of get the full story from him, even including, you know, where, where the hell am I? Just a fairly good question, I think, at that point. Um, when a woman runs into the house called Sophie, um, who's clearly known to everyone in the room, including the, the, the kidnapper. Um, but anyway, Malos is shoved back out at that point into the, into the coach, strapped up again, as it were, um, and he's ditched somewhere on Wandsworth Common. Um, he makes the train back to Victoria okay, um, and then tells Mycroft about it uh, the next day. Holmes the Younger, Sherlock, is of course full of energy. Mycroft is exactly the opposite. And he, sort of, he springs into, into action, really. Uh, he sends off a, um, a, few, a few telegrams, uh, one of which is answered, and Mr Davenport says that he knows who this woman is, uh, and she's living at a place called the Myrtles in Beckenham. Um, so they, uh, they basically decide to go over to Beckenham to see what's going on. Um, they have to stop off at the yard where Inspector Gregson, I do like Gregson, basically delays with, he says, you know, no, we need, we need, um, we need a warrant. You can't just throw these things together. And he's, uh, uh, and that takes a while. By the time they get there, um, the room, uh, is full of charcoal poison and, uh, and Melas is in there, obviously in, in some disarray. He's been, clearly the kidnappers have worked out that, you know, he's given the secret way because they've seen the telegram and it's been an announcement in the paper as well. Um, and he's been sort of, he, they, he's clearly betrayed them. Um, but the man, Paul, his name is the man who was in, in the original house, um, is very much dead of charcoal poisoning. Um, and they don't solve it, to be honest. Um, they just sort of run into the room, say, well, they, they saved Malas. Uh, and but all these have gone off to Greece. Although it's later suggested that there is an article in the newspaper about a, a woman um, uh, who travelled with two English companions who are now both being killed and the woman is at large. And that is the Greek interpreter. Hi, Madeline. Thanks for coming on to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. Are you really excited or are you slightly thinking, what, what the hell, it's, it's these two, what the hell are they all banging oh, on about seriously? again? <laughs> seriously, I, I really enjoy this show. So I'm very happy to be here. It's it's been um, we we had a bit of a trying time actually because uh, without without going into too many details but we, we had a guest and then the guest sort of disappeared, um, oh, no. which I'm a bit concerned about to be honest. Um, but um, I hope it's all right. Yeah. But, uh, but so thanks, thanks for filling in for us. Um, you're uh, you listened to the show before, so you know the the drill. It's the opening two questions. Firstly, what brought you to Sherlock? Um. Well, actually. I think you said in the past that like you didn't get into Sherlock until like your early twenties, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, same. <laughs> so uh, unlike a lot of people also that I know who are Sherlockians, I got into Sherlock Holmes when I was twenty. I as a kid, I'd read some of the stories. I'd watched Great Maths Detective, and so I knew who Sherlock Holmes was. I just like. 
it never really stuck the landing. Yeah. And then um, the the summer that I turned 20, I, I don't remember when exactly it happened, but I had a friend who uh, would edit my fan fiction, but I could never read any of her fan fiction because she wrote for different fandoms that I didn't know. So then one day I'm looking at her profile and it's like, oh, she's got some Sherlock Holmes stories here. I at least know who that is. Yeah. So, so I start reading the stories and they're, you know, the, these, um, you know, little vignettes about Holmes and Watson and their day-to-day lives. And I was like, oh, it's like, so it's like the friendship that people like about these stories. So I start reading more fan fiction and it's like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is, this seems to be what draws people to these stories. So I start I start from the beginning. I start with the study in Scarlet, and I I get hooked right away. And um, despite the second half of the study in Scarlet, which okay, came, which so came here's, for a while. here's here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. So we had a we had an old book, and I still have it, called The Boys Sherlock Holmes, and um, and it has study in Scarlet, sign of the four, and like the first few short stories. It totally, because it's the boys Sherlock Holmes, it totally edits out all uh, drug use references. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. And it also uh, just does like a two-page summary of the Mormon backstory. So I actually did not read that part for years. Oh. <laughs> Which is probably the best way to read a study in Scarlet for the first time. <laughs> It really is, yeah, because it did. I loved it. I read it when I was about maybe 15. Mm-hmm. And I, no, I think I read about the first two thirds of it by the time I was 15. And I finished it in my mid 20s. <laughs> it, we, we are going to come back to it, Joel. I think we pretty much agree. We are going to do the novels as well at some point. But yeah. it it's That's just, a, and then it's here's the big thing, here's the big character, here's the big story. Ugh. That's what it feels like to me. It's like he's just ended on the dullest bit in the world. I I, I feel like I I feel like Doyle has a good story in there, but it's not it's not executed well. No. <laughs> no, his, his exposition is absolutely terrible, and his exposition <laughs> on, in the short stories is absolutely brilliant. It really is. Mm-hmm. We, um, I mean, I remember we had um, oh, which one did we do? Uh, was it the Noble Bachelor? Um, where um, Trevor Downey, our guest, um, called Hattie Miss Hattie Exposition because that's all she basically <laughs> did just came in, just related to the backstory, and then disappeared again. Um, so I do think you've got to do well, but yeah, I, th- I think it, it's strange with most people coming on hand to the Baskervilles, but studying Scarlet and you're still with us, well done. But mind you, you did cheat, I think that has to be said. Well, I didn't cheat on purpose. <laughs> no, no. Not one offensive way of doing it. Yeah, that's, 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 that's fantastic. Yeah, that's, that's what I would have done as well. Um, you're, you're also, um, we've done your, your we've mentioned uh, what your your bio, as it were. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that you're in, you're in a Watson society. We're big fans of Watson here. I, I view them <laughs> as, as equals. I really do. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, should, you should come join the Watson society. You really should. Send me some info. Yes, I'm, I'm up for that. I love Watson so much. And I think the reason I like him so much is because 
in the adaptations of the home stories he is played in so many different ways martin freeman plays the same character as nigel what's his name nigel bruce i'm picturing he's even in a hitchcock films i know i know him well enough to remember his name. <laughs> um it's the same character and yet it isn't and yet it still right. works right yeah um, yeah, the, the website is johnhwatsonsociety.com. So all you have to do is like subscribe to the journal and you're in. And also our, our, our monthly Zoom meetings are open to everybody. So. Oh, might have a look at that then. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun time. We, we, are, we are a chaotic little group. <laughs> but well, we have Sorry, you know, you know, we we have a, a section on this show called Watson Watch, mm -hmm. yeah, which which occasionally is, is good can just be fulfilled by us saying Watson then sits in a chair doesn't do anything. <laughs> right next, <That's>, you know, <laughs> there's a fair few of those. Yeah, I think I think it's I, I love the fact that there's a whole Watson section because uh, it obviously it is all about Holmes, but um, it's he, he's just one of my favourite literary creations ever, and I, and I don't know why I still don't know why he's not the most exciting. He can be quite. <laughs> Yeah, can quite have a lot of action. I think John, when we did the adventures, the twelve stories in the in the adventures, I think he, he shoots the dog in the copper beaches, <laughs> and everything else. He might as well have us there for the good it does him. <laughs> there, there is lots of you know. How did you do that, Holmes? I did it this way. Oh, great. End of story. So yeah, so it's um, but I like the way, I like the way he grows. And of course, the second question, and it is most pertinent to what we're talking about today is i wonder how you're going to go on this did you enjoy the greek interpreter i did um i i, I want to put in a qualifier though i like yeah. the story but i think that i would not i would either like it less or maybe not like it at all if it didn't have mycroft in it yeah mycroft kind of elevates it because otherwise it's it, it it's almost kind of a horror story being told from the outside yeah and yeah. It, and it's it's one of those stories um like uh happened several times in the adventures where uh holmes really doesn't come in until the end of the action and the bad guys get away so it, it's not especially satisfying in that regard either but it does introduce us to mycroft and so a lot of people you know uh, regard it more fondly, I think, than they they otherwise might. I think I think it's interesting the use of uh, it, it is a Mycroft story, isn't it? It's it's, it's Mycroft then Sherlock then Watson then the rest of the story, mm -hmm. pretty much with a lot of deductions in, which we'll come to. But uh, it it is a case of um, again just just bringing in you've got the biggest character in the world as your as your main character in this. Let's give him a big brother who's brighter, or at least as bright as him. And what I really like about this is that he only brings him back a handful of times for his Parkinson plans. And I think that might be it, in fact. Um, John, is he, is he only in the Bruce Parkinson plans after this? This is Wikipedia, John, by the way. You know, yeah, in, in stories, um, well, he's technically in The Final Problem. Yes. Yeah, you don't see him, but he's in there. Yeah, well, right. you, you do see him, but you don't know it's him until after. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he's he has a role in some of them, but Bruce Partington's the only other one he actually appears. Yeah, 
there's something. The other one's just like, oh, I spoke to Mycroft, or Mycroft did this to me, and yeah. Empty Brother house Mike, is the other yeah, one. Sorry, mm. yes, yes, absolutely, yeah. He says, um, Brother Mycroft um, exerting some influence or something like that. You'll drop that in every now and then when he's trying to get something off the... Uh, uh, off, off the government or some ways but what i really like about it is and i'm sorry but i'm gonna have to lower my hand into doctor who again here classic doctor <laughs> who is when they came up with davros um for the first dalek stories i think i might have mentioned this before uh, in 1975 for genesis of the daleks and michael uh, and, and davros was great absolutely great you know yes not just a dalek the dalek the inventor of the daleks right he, he was in every one since he was in every single Dalek story afterwards. <laughs> and after, after a while, he stops being scary Davros. He's just pantomime Davros. And he gets killed in pretty much every story as well. <laughs> or gets away at the last minute. How did he escape that? I don't know, but he did. Um, and I think what's what I really like about, about what Doyle does about this is, is how he addresses Mycroft is sparingly. Yeah. I think that's a way to, way to do it. Did, so you, you you enjoyed him as a character? Is, is, is that because he's so different to Sherlock, but isn't? Uh, I I like siblings. I like sibling yeah. characters. I'm um I'm the oldest of seven in my family. Um, so I like characters having families. I like them having siblings, and Mycroft. Um, you know, we never find out much about him, uh, but I, I've said this a couple of times recently in other places, and I'm going to say this again. Uh, I think that you can, you, we're not given much about the Holmes brothers' relationship, but I think that you can tell that Mycroft genuinely loves and, and cares about his little brother because, yeah. because of the final problem. He does, he, he literally, he drives. And I mean, how does a gentleman even know how to drive a cab? Like, I don't even <laughs> know how Mycroft picked up that skill. He does think that, yeah. But, Just get um, on a horse. He, he doesn't yeah. do anything. He walks around the corner every day. That's all he does. Yeah, yeah. So he he get he gets up as a as a cab driver and drives his little brother's best friend to safety. And I think that tells you how much he he loves his little brother. So I really like that about him. And it is genuinely affection, isn't it? They, they they have a little sort of snipe at each other through the deductions. But yeah. It, it's seen, unlike the TV series, the BBC Sherlock, mm -hmm. it, it is genuine affectionate rather than, uh, oh, you're an idiot. Oh, you know, I thought you'd grown out of this. Or, you know, the little sniping thing, which is fun. Uh -huh. I enjoy it. Right. But, yeah. Um, but, but that's not actually, actually what they're like. Yeah. No, not at all. It's just sort of... Uh, you know, oh, you know, you always know where I am. Oh, you're, you're going to like the chairs in this room, that sort of thing. Um, there's no belittling of the other. When you right. think, bearing in mind what their minds are like, <laughs> and they're quite <laughs> competitive, then I think that'd be quite a good thing. Uh, while we're on the subject of Mycroft, um, do you get any hints as yet to this point? As as it says later on, he um, under the British government, he is the British government. Can you tell that at this point? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that's definitely something that uh, was uh, developed later. Uh, I, I think that it's possible that, I don't think that, and, and in fact, he's, let's see. 
I think basically the story is supposed to take place somewhere still in the mid eighties. Yeah. So he's pro he's probably not even really worked long enough to to get himself up into that kind of position where he has where his voice has more weight. So I I don't think that he he's maybe quite to that position of you know the British government incarnate yet. Anyway, um, I think that probably he's still lower in the pecking order at this point. So you think he's sort of on his way up? Yeah, I, I think. Rather than, yeah, I think, yeah, at one point he calls him the most indispensable man in the country. I think he calls him that in the Bruce Partington plans, not this. Yeah. So yeah, basically, he's, he's Dominic Cummings. Yes. Uh, without the, hang on, edit. Uh, <laughs> just about to break the libel laws there. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but that that's pretty much what it seems to be. Yeah, he's, he's a spat. The man by the throne, yeah. isn't he? He's a, he's a, a spat. I can't remember what stands for SPAD, but uh, yeah, he's that type of advisor, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, is is in charge of the government and then can destroy the government uh, minutes later um, if he needs to. Well, um, I have to ask you about the beginning of the story, Madeline. Did you enjoy that? The uh, I, 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 sorry to bring back Doctor Who. I always refer to these as the TARDIS no, scene. No, it, it's fine. I'm a, I'm a Whovian. Absolutely, go ahead. Good. <laughs> I, just, I just like Doctor Who stories which start in the TARDIS when he's talking to the companion. I just love that. He <laughs> uses me, and obviously before the TARDIS crashes into a quarry in North Wales somewhere, which is what tends to happen. <laughs> but it's an interesting start because they're the. We see Holmes and Watson as friends immediately. Um, I mean, I mean, I'd, I'd love to if they did a podcast of that conversation because how you get from the um, changes in the obliquity of the ecliptic to <laughs> golf clubs is the yeah. sort of conversation I want to listen in on. <laughs> For sure, it's it's interesting isn't it because they just um, it shows that they're not always working. I think, and I think that it one of, one of Conan Doyle's successes i think is the fact that he just does genuinely make out that they're not superheroes i mean you already mentioned the ending which is very very unsatisfying mm -hmm. it really is which is very satisfying for me because i, I, I like it when he loses i really do it just mm -hmm. makes it more human right but I think it's it's just such a nice free sort of flowing conversation rather than I mean, the, the, what, what they could have done on TV was basically say, ah, Watson, there you are, great. I have a brother, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. No, it, it feels, it, it definitely feels more real. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's, um, I, I, just, I love the whole sort of, and even even then, it's not really that sort of much action as such, but, you know, I, I was talking about Mycroft. Time, but, well, here's my question about Mycroft and Watson. And, John, I'd like your input on this as well. How has he not deduced a brother? There's got to be. He can't just suddenly just say, "Oh yeah, I've got. A, I've never mentioned this brother ever." And, and more importantly, there's been no signs whatsoever that this brother exists. When, well, how how much does he know poems now? I mean, the the thing is too that the same thing happens the opposite way with Watson because <laughs> Holmes uh, gets it straight away. Allegedly, in in the sign of the four, which either happens in eighty seven or eighty eight, they've known each other for six or seven years. Yeah, uh, Holmes has apparently never 
found out that Watson has a brother, and I know they're estranged, but nevertheless, it's I've got a I've I've got a theory. If you'll indulge me, (laughs) that's why you're here. (laughs) Okay, okay. So the so it's 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 a little it's a little weird, but um, I think that some that with some of the stories, Watson kind of like takes pieces and and puts them together in such a way that they didn't actually happen together in real life, but he does it for the sake of the story. And like in Final Problem, when Watson's like, I've never heard of Moriarty before, and then Valley of Fear, he's like, yeah, I know no. all about him. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, I think that the Final Problem conversation happened, it just happened a few years before 1891, but Watson had to introduce Moriarty to the readers, so he wrote it as if it was happening right then. Yeah. Um. So, with... um. <laughs> With this weird brother situation, the the, in, the interesting thing about the sign of the four uh, scene with the watch deduction, which I think is such a beautiful deduction, and I think that's why Watson ended up using using that that moment, even though it kind of tells against him. But it sounds so much like they haven't actually known each other for that long. It's like Watson should be used to Holmes being able to do this kind of thing by now they've known each other for several years and yet he accuses Holmes of like researching his brother and it's like he should know better by now so my my idea for for what it's worth and this might sound weird but my idea is that this conversation actually happened a few years earlier and and but this was like the second novel that Watson ever wrote about the two of them. So he decided to throw it in. And so this happens a few years earlier, maybe still in the early eighties and Holmes, you know, finds out that Watson has an estranged brother who then died. And then he's like, eh, maybe I shouldn't introduce him to Mycroft for a while. He might be a little bit sensitive about brothers. Yeah. Oh, I so, like that. So that that that's that's my theory about this whole weird uh we don't talk about our brothers <laughs> situation. Yeah. Standard Victorian repression. <laughs> in, in many ways too, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I quite like that. Yeah. And and there's also um uh well because I was also thinking is, does he not does he deliberately hide Mycroft because he's important? Because I suppose he could be prone to blackmail or anything like that if your brother basically is the prime minister in waiting. Maybe I don't know. I mean, because I mean, he he has no problem with just like going right down um, to see to uh, introduce Watson to Mycroft. So. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah, to be fair, he does do it in 30 seconds, doesn't he? Yeah. I've got a brother. I'm going to go and see him. He's here. Let's go now. <laughs> we must go to the Diogenes Club. Um, I should say, um, also, John, I don't know how you feel about this, but I know this, these are not the times to do such things, but I've always wanted to go to a gentleman's club. Not just gentlemen, though. And I just love the idea of a room where no one speaks. Yeah. I love that. Just reads and plays pool. If I if if I had the money, um, I would buy 
I do out a clubhouse in yeah. my area and have it as a members only club. No, you know, a gentleman club style thing, but obviously you'll be open to, uh, to, to all genders. Um, and uh, yeah, just, you know, the whole thing about being able to get some food and uh, just sit there and read a book or, you know, you'd be able to smoke a cigar, I suppose, in this day and age. We can have a drink and, you know. <laughs> I'd have some rules as well. Everyone yeah. must only, only be called by their surname. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, like, it's an introvert's paradise, really. After, yeah, that's what, I want. That's, how, that's what I like about it. Cause I, think, I think, yeah, I, w- I want to be a member of the, the Diogenes Club. I want to be on nodding terms with Mycroft. <laughs> You can only call people by their surnames or call them my dear fellow. Yeah, I, I, I have two rooms in my in my gentleman's club, so I'd I'd have you know the, I'd I'd have both a stranger's room and like a uh, a quiet room, so people could choose rather than it being the. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, I'm actually reading, and this is probably nothing, but uh, I'm actually reading a book about the Jeremy Thorpe trial at the moment, and the amount of clandestine meetings they have in the Commons does make me think. I wish I could do some hot desking around the commons because that sounds great the strange there's a stranger's tea room i like the idea of a stranger's tea room <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm 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 really maybe that's another reason why we haven't heard of mycroft because and why he's got such a dull repetitive runs on the same rails type lifestyle it's because it's great <laughs> and, and there's also all of the um the theories and the spin-off fiction that uh, suggests that he's actually you know the secret service and uh uh, you know, he, he, he's MI6 and, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think the, uh, the, the, the Mark Gattis uh, Mycroft is great. I really do. Yeah. Because um, he he does, you know, they do have the rivalry and everything, but, if, if, but there's also a great deal of affection. And one of my favourite things is in, I think it's the scandal in Bohemia, or, or, um, Belgravia, mm-hmm. episode, where, where, where Moriarty sends him a message note saying that he knows all about the plane yeah, and he just puts his head. He just drops the phone and just puts his head in his hands. I think that's yeah. really yeah. well done. That, that was a really good scenes. moment. I, I I love a little moment in um uh his his last vow is it um yeah. when when they're at Christmas time they're smoking outside their parents' house. Yes, <laughs> Mycroft's like if anything happened to you, it would uh, it would destroy destroy me or whatever. It would break my heart. Chokes yeah. on his. Uh, on his cigarette. Um, I also love the fact that the uh, you know, the the Mark Gatiss Mycroft, the way his weight fluctuates throughout the series. Yes. One minute he's thick thin, and the next minute he's uh, you know a bit chubbier. And then he yeah. on the exercise machine, and then they did the thing in the um, in the special episode when he was yeah. uh, one, which I, I loved. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really that's, it's really well done the way they do that. Um, but I also, in fact, there's a Diogenes Club scene, isn't it, in the BBC version as well, with um, yeah. where Martin Freeman goes in and basically says, "Can anybody hear me?" And they're all just sort of yeah. raising their all around the room, and a sort of, "You can't do that." What do you think yeah. you're doing? And I, I love that the, the waiters in the gloves, but they're also wearing like paper booties, so they don't mark the carpet and yes. as they drag him out. Yeah, that's pretty great. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's marvelous. I, I love that. Um, so we, then we have the deductions. Uh, and they're just great. It's just, I just love the way Conan Doyle basically says, we're just going to put two pages aside here to just show how clever they are. <laughs> and I think there is more drama in that scene than the rest of the scene, bearing in mind there's a kidnapping coming on. <laughs> I, I just well, love that. 
Sherlock yeah. sort of competing with with I love all that. It, it's it's really got a rhythm to it. It's very snappy. The two of them going back and forth. And, and Paul Watson snapping his head like he's at a tennis match between them. <laughs> yeah, he is. He totally is. Yeah, I mean that that that's the ultimate Watson watch sort of. Um, what did you do, John? Well, I basically just stood there and just watched people be clever at each other. <laughs> um, there's there's a great deal of that. I really like. I don't know how you feel about this story, John. I really like the Greek interpreter, but I feel that it's like a downward slope of a mountain. It starts really high, and then it drops. So it's it's two. Th- it's a third of the way in before you get to the kidnap scene. But of course, you also know that Melas is fine. You know he's in there, and because uh, he's lived to tell his tale. Um, did we like Latimer, Harold Latimer? I feel like Latimer is kind of uh, just generic. I think Wilson Kemp is the better bad guy. He's more memorable. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I I quite like Latimer because he is pure evil. He is absolutely evil. Yeah, uh, but true. I think the only thing that put me off that bit, and I do like the kidnap scene. I really like the you know the the malas bit. Mm-hmm. Is the engineer's thumb? Haven't we been here before? <laughs> into a yeah, it's, I was thinking the exact same thing when reading it. It's like the. Uh... It is almost like a repeat of the engineer's thumb, that part, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you had no idea where. Did you work out? Well, I thought I heard some. I thought I think I saw some grass. Oh, I know where you are. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 again. It's this is Madeline. This is one of our things we do in the show. We're a big fan of uh, Arthur Conan Doyle's knowledge of London. <laughs> well, I'm going to defer to you guys because I've never even been to London. So please go off. <laughs> Let's let's just say this comes later, but um, let's just say that Pall Mall to Beckenham through Oxford Circus is quite impressive. That's an interesting. <laughs> I, I must uh, um, get a get away from Trevor Bond on this, who, who's absolutely fascinated by, by Sir Arthur. <laughs> no, in, in London. Oh, because um, uh, the reason I think this is quite unusual, but and and it's one of the things you know I know because I know it's got to be it's the way the story's set out and everything. Why does it take so long to pull the blinds down? Mm. It takes yeah. ages. Yeah, that's a good point. I kind of noticed that. It's yeah, I don't know. Is he trying to sort of maybe just make him feel a bit more comfortable? But even then, it's it's well, maybe he's making him feel comfortable because it's not not the the nicest way to get a job. You're being pulled out of your bed in the middle of the night and dragged into a coach. I mean, unless of course he's trying to. Um... You know, give give a, a a faint about the route. Um, you know, That's think possible. One way and then you know, might explain the geography a little bit as well. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, the thing I've never understood about these things is, bearing in mind the times and everything, it's not that exactly like the places he went to were memorable. You know, he's not going to go past Marble Arch fifteen times. Quite, quite nondescript. I mean, I mean, the only thing you could basically define anything by is the river. Maybe we crossed the river. Oh, great! So you went to South London, you know that sort of thing. But oh, there uh, be dragons. Sorry, there be dragons. Yeah, I'm not going south the river this time. I think that's a London taxi joke, everyone. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I didn't think that was a bit strange. But maybe it's just because he's trying to make him uh, a um, 
you know, make him feel a bit more comfortable. Um, what did you think of the um, the the actual interpretation scene with uh, is his name Paul Paul Critides? Yeah, I honestly that's like the best bit. And it's I really think. well done. It's really well done. It it's um you know like some t- <laughs> every once in a while um. You know, in these stories, Holmes and Watson meet somebody who does, you know, something really clever. And that doesn't, you know, always save them from being a victim or whatever. But yeah. it's like, it, it, was, it was really dangerous because if, if Latimer and Kemp had, been, had truly been paying attention to what Critides was writing they could have figured it out because they kept asking like the same questions over and over again. So they are not as, as smart as they could be. And, um, and, uh, Mr. Melas was, um, yeah, pretty clever doing that. It, you know, of course it's so frustrating that, that poor Mr. Melas almost has, you know, the whole story, and then Sophie bursts in. I love the fact that he gives a moment of extreme inventiveness or invention to a minor character. It's not just because we've already gone big on the these people are really intelligent. And this poor old Watson snapping his head between the two. And then Mellis <laughs> does something genuinely, genuinely, in, in, you know, ingenious. Mm-hmm. I think that really makes that scene really well. I don't understand the sticking plaster thing anyway. I imagine that's just because he's been bruised. But why would they strap him up? If they've done that, um, but yeah, I, I, I just think it's it, it's really well done because again, it, it, that's the difference between this and the engineer's thumb, where basically they lie to him start to finish. Right. At this point, they just say, "By the way, we're criminals, and we're mm-hmm. trying to sort of get this uh, this uh, this property. Um, we've got a sister here, basically, and um, we're probably going to kill him using charcoal, which is something I've never heard of before or since this story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> totally threw me that." And um, I think it's just beautifully done. And again, we, we talk a lot on this show about how we cram so much story into so little space. Bearing in mind, there's a lot of heart and flowers in the story because you've got Mycroft, you've got deductions, you've got uh, Watson. Straight into the kidnapping, straight into a really good interrogation scene. And then I think, and this is your show, not mine, I think it goes a bit weird this story i've always felt this so here's my question they know where malas lives they're very very violent they've got no problem with beating people killing people kidnapping people sherlock goes to the press and says i found this out from basically might as well say from this man who lives at number one victoria station doesn't he basically throw him under a bus here Mycroft, not Sherlock, but yeah, it's it's very frustrating. Sorry, because, it is Mycroft, yeah, sorry, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, I I, think it's the biggest problem with the story. I have to attribute it. The only way that I can make sense of it is that sometimes uh, people who are like very uh, left brain smart, um, as, as the Holmes brothers are, sometimes just do really stupid things. Uh, they, they not applying like common sense <laughs> to what they're doing because that was yeah 
it just it just doesn't make sense to me at all. It's because Mana says I'm absolutely he, he basically streams all the way through. I'm petrified. I'm really really weak. I've got no courage whatsoever. I'm glad that's over. I'm glad they know where I live. Okay, let's get that one in the Chronicle, the Times, the Times. <laughs> I think wow. I think I think the problem is to Minecraft. It's an academic problem. Yeah, yeah, problem, but rather than something that's actually um, physically happening. And it could be as well because of you know his work. If he you know makes decisions that affects people's daily lives, he could be used yeah. disconnected from it. Uh, there's a, there's actually a great example um, a bit later on in the story when they get the uh, the letter from Jay Davenport. Mm-hmm. Yes, because Mycroft's like, should we go drive him now to find out this information? And Sherlock's like, perhaps we should you know you know try and rescue this person first before. We do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you definitely get the sense that Mycroft doesn't totally live in the real world. There there is a great sense of if you see the bus on fire, he's really thinking about how you repair the bus. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I I like it. Well, I've said said before, um, in uh, in Leslie's um, annotated home, there's a, a, a little bit from Ronald Knox who says, just how happy was Mycroft to solve this case or is he hiding something back I've never considered this before but he's very keen to go and see um, Mr Davenport in Brixton why, why, why is Brixton again I've no idea Brixton's an off I've got a bad press in Sherlock um, <laughs> why does he want to do that why has he put the telegram it is, is, it, it's time for conspiracy world here on from <laughs> um, is he trying to is there a reason why he's trying to sort of step in the way a bit and get rid of his brother, off get his brother off the trail? I, and if, and if so, why bring him the case? I suppose. Yeah, I I don't I don't buy the whole Mycroft is a is a criminal thing. It's a cute conspiracy theory, and it's funny how like all you know there there are so many things in these stories that don't make sense. But then it's like people come up with all these conspiracy theories to make them make sense. And it always like makes out, makes somebody out to be a bad guy. <laughs> always what happens. If Mycroft were a criminal, for starters, I don't think that he has to be. I don't think that he has any, any, there, that there's, there's no, there's nothing to motivate him to be a criminal. Um, He's got a good job. He's got apparently a life that he likes. So it's like, wh- why? And, and so do I, by the way. I like that life a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And and also I think that, that Sherlock, um, as much as he loves his brother, I don't think that that would blind him to figuring out if Mycroft were a criminal. So I... No, I, I I think you're probably right. I'm just thinking more of a case of because he's... Is he the foreign secretary at this point again? I don't know. Maybe there's something going on with Greece. Maybe there's a political thing behind it that he'd rather... Hmm. I mean, it's not the end of the world if, it, if things go the way they do, but I, it'd be quite nice if he could just keep that quiet. Part, yeah. uh, politics seems to me to be mostly about people keeping things quiet rather than doing things. This is very true. <laughs> yeah. I've long been of that view. Yeah, John, any, any thoughts on Mycroft as um, Moriarty too? Um, no, <laughs> no not, not having that at all. Yeah, I, um, why? Why would he bring um, 
Sherlock into into the problem, like you said, you know, if he's if he's trying to hash it up, um, yeah. or something like that. It just seems, unless of course he's been ordered to hash it up, and he wants to try and sabotage that order in some way. I don't yeah. know. Um, but yeah, it just seems to be the most sensible thing is just you know have a cup of tea and a crumpet with Sherlock and John, and then and then send them on their way. Um, yeah. Who's that Greek bloke in the corner? You don't want to be bothered with him. No, that's all. <laughs> And incidentally, while we're on the subject of Moriarty, and we'll be mentioning this a lot, when we do the final problem, it is always important to remember that uh, Moriarty's, James Moriarty's brother is called James. Yes. I yes, have he to is. mention that every single time. You're off Canon Doyle. Yeah. <laughs> I assume he's got a sister called Violet. Most of them have. That's okay. There's an awful lot of Violets going on. Also, um, an awful lot of Marys, too. Mary, Marys and Violets, yeah, there are no other names. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's all That's all they've got there. Um, so they they go to Beckenham. I like the idea that Mycroft got out of his chair to do something about it. Um, and this sounds incredibly morbid, but I like the fact that they don't win. The poor man's dead. Poor Melas is nearly dead as well, and the people have got away. Mm-hmm. And I think if he ends the story there, I think that's a great. It's not. It's not as good as Scandal and Bohemia. Although, and I really like the Greek interpreter because I love Mycroft. But it's not the. It just feels like I said before. It's, it feels like the end of a mountain slope, as in it starts really high and then it just comes off sort of oh, level path. Yeah. I like the idea. The idea of the charcoal thing. I think that's really well done. But why? What's this about a Hungarian newspaper and two travel two men travelled with a Greek woman and they were both stabbed? <laughs> I don't get that at all. Actually, come to think of I hadn't thought of this until just now, but yeah, how would Sophie know that anybody was in fault with unless she saw the ad mm. <sighs> Hold on. Now now I've got a did well Mycroft had to leave like some kind of forwarding address for information to have gotten that uh no right so um i guess if sophie had seen that advertisement maybe she had made a note of that i don't know but um but that that would be the only way that she would know that somebody had been trying to help her and her brother but i I am all, it doesn't happen much in the canon, but I am always a fan of when a, when a wronged woman gets um, some kind of justice for herself. Yeah. Which is why I love the Granada episode, but I hate the ending. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't do Sophie justice at all. No, no, it doesn't, it doesn't come close. It's, it's, I don't know, it just feels, I, I, one of the things I really, really worries me about literature, and it feels like, again, I'm, I say this on every episode, we, we are not slacking off Sir Arthur Conan Doyle because he's Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and he's great and we're all here because of him. <laughs> but I think every now and then he just like to tack an ending on. As in, he realises that um, there's no satisfactory ending. So he just shoves something on about the letter later on being sent off. It's like when we did The Resident Patient. Mm, um, yeah. And, oh, and the, uh, the, the boat went down. <laughs> really? Really? Are we saying this is a divine thing now? And doesn't that doesn't that happen with the five orange pips as well? Doesn't the boat? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So 
it just worries me about that. Holmes does rely a lot on boats going down at sea. <laughs> an awful lot. They beat me this time, Watson, but... Um, they got on a boat. <laughs> they're on a boat. They're, they're absolutely doomed. I, I, I think we're taking this a bit too literally. I think... Um, I don't think it was necessarily sent to Budapest. I just think it was from a newspaper from that region. Yeah, I, I think Mycroft it through his work. Yeah. I don't know. It just didn't... I just felt like it needed a, a big... And, and this is the whole point of this. Sometimes you don't get a big ending. And I really like books that don't give a big, big ending. And it... I remember when I read the sort of... Uh, obviously, because I, I reread it, and then I reread the, the, the Klinger version, and then I, I looked at Wikipedia, and the end, it just sort of go, mm. <laughs> <laughs> A bit too, which is a shame because it just goes. I mean, I, and I love this. I'd say this is in my top fifteen ever. Um, but um, on the whole, then, do we like the Greek interpreter? Yeah. John, yeah. I, I like the Mycroft parts. Um, I think wheel <laughs> to, wheels towards the end. It's a bit too similar to the engineers. Fam, that, I think that's in my head as well. Yeah. I think that really is in my head is the similarity between the two. And it's not as if they were like the end of his life when he wrote this and thought, oh, I mean, the famous one obviously is Stockbroker Clark is the same plot as two other stories. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we, we could basically do like okay. a flow chart of the, <laughs> you know, of the story, you know, the, the story synopsis is, you know, the, um, uh, you know, is, is it a secret code? Um, for, for... <laughs> is it, you know, a, um, uh, a wronged governess, is it? You know, there's a. You know, uh, it, Doyle Doyle never met a good idea that he didn't like to recycle. He does. He does <laughs> we're going to get this further on as we go through this series. Is uh, I can't wait to do the three Garadevs because I might I might just bring the same people back who did the Red Headed League. <laughs> <laughs> the stockbroker's clock. Yeah, let's do it again. Let's just do the same plot again. But I still love them. I don't care. I just have this. They're absolutely great. Um, <laughs> So we brought we brought you a story which is something you like. Mm -hmm. What story don't you like? And then tell us another story that isn't the Mazarin Stone or the Three Gables. I actually like the Mazarin Stone and the Three Gables. <laughs> John, we've got the wrong guest. Um, I mean, I I would never defend the beginning of the Three Gables, and it's, but it's I, but no, yeah, it's terrible, but. I don't understand. I don't understand why everybody hates on the Mazarin Stone because I never had a problem with it. It's funny. <laughs> I understand that it's like that it's it, that it's a rehash of the empty. It, it is yeah. originally a rehash of the empty house. It's the alternative um, ending. That's what it, it is. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I I think it's a fun time and. As for Three Gables, I specifically like it because of Isadora Klein, and not because I think that she's a good villainess, but because I think that, um, yeah, I'm, so yeah, I, I'm willing to play defense for Mazarin Stone in, in Three Gables, but um, Isadora, uh, <sighs> Holmes says that the original sin was hers, and she agrees. But that's not true. The original sin was Douglas Maberly's. Um, well, you know what we're going to have to do here? <laughs> I'm too shocked to listen, to be honest. 
Um, <laughs> I, I, we, are, we are talking about doing Mazarin Stone as a group podcast. Yes. Because everyone's picked it as the rotated one. And we've got, uh, there's a friend of John's who likes it as well. So we might do like, a, we might do a, the trial of the Mazarin Stone, John, do you think? <laughs> yeah. uh, the Mazarin Stone, um, the, the Granada version, is the other story to feature Mycroft. And they added him, him in. Yes, it is, because Jeremy Brett was ill, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, it, it's merged with the, the free Garadebs. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it's not good enough to be its own story. Okay, then. So you found a story that's worse <laughs> than three Garadebs. Not the three Garadebs, three Gables and the Mazarin Stone. What um, could it be? The, I this is quite ironic because of something that I did recently. Uh, but uh, I don't like the retired colorman. Um, we, we, we sort of need that in this series. <laughs> We've been advertising yeah. it for two years. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's so nasty. It's like, it I don't. Nasty. I, I don't, I don't like the cardboard box either for the same reason. Um, yeah, we, we did that with however. Right. They absolutely rinsed it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was a great episode. I love them. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, yeah, I just, it, it's just, it's not nice. I mean, the Greek interpreter isn't nice either, but at least Greek interpreter has my cross. <laughs> yeah, true. And charcoal poisoning. <laughs> Although I will say I love I love the the <laughs> see I'll do your job for you this time I love the BBC radio version of Retired Colorman because that's I'm trying not to mention them for once. Do my best. I did it for you. <laughs> oh, do you mean Bert Cools, who will be appearing with Leslie Klinger on a special live um, final problem stroke empty house thing that we haven't got a date for yet? We we should have Adler Twambly bingo cards, you know. It's like whenever whenever Carl get goes or fanboy over Bert Cools and <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. um, well, I've got I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show, but he meant when we did um uh with we did a show with Kyle uh, about uh, um, uh oh which one it was now. I think it's Copper Beaches, and we're, we're talking about because um, he's a big he's a big fan of Bert Cools as well. And I said to Bert, "Oh, you're you're in this one, Bert." So you know, he played, and he said, and he said something like, um, "Yeah, I enjoyed it, but at one point I wanted you to get to the story." Frowning at his, his audio device of choice. Uh, oh man anyway he's agreed to come on and do a show with us <laughs> yeah i'm really looking forward to that yeah we don't know when that's going to be just yet actually because that's still quite a few shows away and as you can tell by the uh, uh the less regular um we are going to try and get some more shows on regularly if we can um it's just obviously it's, it's tricky with guests and i think we might have a small issue with right. the next guest yeah. as well but um uh, it just leads me to say madeline thank you so much for coming on and discussing the greek interpreter you're going to come back and discuss a story you don't like yeah, absolutely. Oh, this is a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. Thanks for, thanks, for, uh, thanks for joining us. I would like to thank our hosts at Rippercast, as well as producers Jonathan Mengus and John Reese. A special thank you too to Andrew Firth, who created both the graphics and the theme music. You can contact us on Twitter at Adler to Amberley. Thank you for listening. <laughs>